Thank you, our church, for giving praise to our Savior. He is our Redeemer. I don't know if you think about that word much. I do. Redeemer, restorer. Cancer is a destroyer. Our Savior is a Redeemer, restorer. Where He will make even the cursed things as servants to the glory of God. And cancer is part of those cursed things that God uses. For his glory. I want to uh, share this morning uh, briefly, uh, and it's okay that it's briefly because uh, things like this, uh, I'm not the only one declaring the message this morning, as it should be. A church proclaims a message. When we sing, we proclaim a message. When we share testimonies, we proclaim the message. And I just want to put uh, some scripture to some of what we shared. Uh, this morning, and it's uh, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, as we continue the coffee cup series, verses that you might see on a coffee cup, and uh, if you don't see this one on, then put it on there, <laughs> it's a good one, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, as we talk about the antidote to fear, and so I think this is probably appropriate, not only for uh, all that we've heard this morning, as we think about cancer, but as we go into this week um, with election, um, we are the group that do not have to wring our hands because the political outcome. Yes, it may mean some very uh, harmful things uh, to our nation, harmful things to the Christian uh, freedom, but we are not those who wring our hands. The Christian teaching and faith was born in environments where they said you can't say that Jesus is God. And uh, we did well during those days. Um, so whether it be cancer or the political outcomes of the day, I want us to remember Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. Fear is a paralyzing thing. Sometimes it's helpful. God created this, this emotion, and, and it is in its most appropriate sense when we are in fear and awe and reverence of God, or maybe it's protective fear of someone else and watching over someone. But there is a fear that is, a, is uh, destructive and paralyzing. If it is a fear that keeps you from obeying God, if it is a fear that keeps you from doing what God has called you to do, even if it means living with joy, then this is a fear not of God. So you have to analyze your fears. I remember very specifically the feeling I, I got, maybe this is probably 16 years ago, uh, where I was just, I think maybe what, 26 or at that time, just young little baby and wife and just married for just a few years and and I had blood coming from me in places it shouldn't come. And I remember just thinking, what's going on with me? Why is this happening? And so, you know, you do what everybody does. You go on the internet. And, uh, you know, you get scared to death. You know, looking up WebMD and all these other things and thinking all the possible outcomes. 
I'm thinking, well, this doesn't sound good. So I actually went to the doctor to get a physical for the first time in my married life and thought, well, um, she <laughs> recommended a colonoscopy. I'm thinking, no. <laughs> no. That's not happening. Um, if I remember just the pit, the, just like your heart, your stomach, everything drops. And I remember just trying to call mom and dad and tell them, you know, and I just cry. And they're like, what's going on? But, you know, the power of denial is pretty good. Uh, and so I was living in denial for like a year after that until it starts happening again. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. You know, but somewhere along the way, I, I did eventually get a colonoscopy for those who are concerned. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and nothing really came of that. But I remember the feeling, just the, the paralyzing, gut-wrenching emotion that hit me at that moment of looking at what these things could be. Those feelings that many of you have lived through. And thinking, this cannot be healthy to have feelings like this. This isn't right. And so we uh, learned something as I went to the Word of God about this, and, and God was just simply just infused this to challenge me. Do I believe what I say, or do I not believe? And that was just the question that came in the midst of this paralyzing fear. When it's all said and done, when that fear is there, there's got to be a question, and I believe it's a graceful thing that God puts this question in your heart and mind, do you believe God or not? And at some point, I had to come to terms with, okay, I do believe God. So let the implications fall, what comes from that. And know that I have this anchor in my heart and mind, that which I will hold on to, that God is going to work the things. And God used that later on in preparing me for just things that was going on with my own wife that would happen soon. So one of the verses that has been my help is Isaiah 41.10. Whether it's the first time I ever preached to dealing with things like scary things, like the threat of cancer to my wife and her, her uh, tumor and things that went through there. Isaiah 41.10 has been a verse I've held on to. And I just wanted to read it to you, share it with you. And in honor of this being God's word, let's stand as we read this together. Isaiah chapter 41. I'll read verse 8 and 9. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not. For I am with you, be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You may be seated. As you read verse 8 and 9, it tells you very clearly this is a promise that is given to the nation of Israel. Uh, Isaiah uh, God has been using Isaiah to share with them that yes, you are in captivity, but there will be a day and time when you will come back to rebuild the place that God has for you in Jerusalem. And that's exactly what did happen. 
Uh, but along the way, God is giving him these encouragements, these, these comforts to say, it's, it's okay, I'm with you. Though you look around and it feels like that God may not be there, he is telling them, I am here. And I'm going to help you through this. And so though this was a promise that was conditioned in a relationship with God of the nation of Israel, that is a promise that still reveals much about God that we still see applied to the New Testament church uh, really without much harm at all to the text here. And that God has given the same promises to the church when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, when he says that I have, um, that he who is uh, for you uh, is going to help you, that he who gave his own son for you, how will he not also freely give you all things? And so you see the New Testament equivalent of this in what's given in Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. And so I want to just share with you, kind of break it down, uh, and you see this same theme over and over and over again in the Bible where there's this constant uh, command, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. And you almost always see the same reasons why. So I wanted to share an antidote to fear from the scripture from Isaiah 41 verse 10. The very first one says, fear not because of God's presence. That is what you see over and over and over again. Every time you see, don't fear, don't fear, it's almost always given with this condition, because God is with you. His presence. I, I remember uh, growing up as a little guy, we had a basement in our house, and that was where my dad had to study, and, and the rest of it was kind of a workbench slash toy area, uh, and that was where I would play. So dad would go down to the basement, and I would go down, uh, and he would be in the study, his light would be on, and I would play all kinds of imaginary war games, and I would kill and be killed all throughout, and, and that's just, that's kind of how I grew up, you know, that's how I played. Uh, you know, we're not supposed to play with guns and stuff, but you know, it just didn't apply to my house. Uh, and so, uh, but there's this constant battle that was going on, and it's like every day, and then after a while, Dad would finish studying, and I, I wasn't finished playing, and, and I would keep playing, and he'd leave, and, and it was, it was kind of dark in there, and, and the basement had weird sounds that would, would uh, just rattling ventilations and things like that, and, and it was kind of damp, and, and it was dark, and so you start imagining things, and I can remember thinking, I, I could play fine as long as he's there, but once he leaves, and the light's off, Man, all these imaginary fears starts cropping up. And I had to get out. I couldn't handle it. In life, what God is saying to us right now simply is this. The light's on. He's right there. It may seem like things are dark and things are, are making sounds in the dark, but God is here. He's aware he knows what's going on, and if he's there, he's greater than the shadows. He's greater than the cancer. He's greater than the darkness. He's greater than the elections. He's greater than, and you just fill in the blank. One of the things I love about Isaiah 41.10, that when you read it in, in the Hebrew, it's even more powerful than each one of these phrases where it says, for I am with you, or I am your God. He has this, this statement of I myself. The way it's phrased grammatically is the emphasis, I myself am here. I myself am your God. And so the emphasis is on the person of God as he's bringing this to you. And so I just want you to understand and be aware, just believe. Do you believe this or not, that when you go through cancer, when you go through election cycles, when you go through bad things with your family, with your children, with your parents, that there is this presence of God. And, and the thing about cancer is that God has always been with us, but cancer, we get 
to the point where we start looking for him. And that's the difference, isn't it? We start looking for him. Most of our days when we don't deal with the cancer and the things like it, we don't look for God. Why? Things are going quite well as they are. But in these moments, when your heart breaks and the paralysis of fear starts creeping in, God's still there. And now you start looking for Him. But not only is it the presence of God, notice what he says, be not dismayed, which means simply looking around anxiously. Don't be looking around anxiously. Try, I myself am your God. That's what he's bringing to our attention. This is the power of God. We don't have to be afraid because the one who's with us has mighty power. I, and you know, when you read the verses before this, verse 5, 6, and 7, he's re- referring to those who trust in other things. He says, the coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. Everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's the thing that we tell one another is uh, just, just be strong. I, got, I just got to stay strong. We, we go through loss and, and we tell ourselves, stay strong, stay strong, be strong, be strong. I, I think about the fight song. This is a song that's come out and it's kind of been associated with cancer. Uh, it's a great song. It's a, it's a very motivating song. The problem, the only problem I have with the song is it never really tells you why to be strong. It just says be strong. It doesn't tell you how. As if by singing it, you can be strong. The problem is that how can you be strong when you have no strength remaining in you? For a believer, their frame is not be strong, be strong, be strong. Their frame is trust God, trust God, trust God, and He will give me the strength. Trust Him. He has promised. I will wait on Him. He will renew my strength. And so it, that is, it's not this self-reliance of I've just got to be strong, but it's, it's, it's this trusting in the Lord. You know, one of the things that uh, Stuart uh, Scott, he was, uh, lived in this area for a while, uh, of course was a uh, sports center and uh, a great uh, um, figure for sports center, of course died of cancer. One of the, the great things that he said at the SB Awards was this, this idea of what does it mean to, to fight cancer? And he says, you know, fighting cancer isn't to say that, that I'm going to live and die. It's not that by, by dying that I've lost to cancer. But it's instead, I'm not going to let cancer define who I am. And so that's the truth for the believer even more so. That cancer doesn't define you. What I love about these witnesses here is that it's not just that cancer has come into my life. I'm identified because God has worked in my life. That's our identity. That's our hope. And... You know, whether you live or die doesn't mean that you lost to cancer. We lose to cancer when we say that cancer defines us and not Jesus Christ. I loved what Jenny was saying. To, I'm learning not to die with cancer. I'm learning to live with cancer. You see, our call isn't to live X number of years. There's no promise. There's no command where God says, you are to live 80 years. 
God has called us to live 100 years. God has called us. There's nothing like that, is there? So we can't let that be our mission, whether we're going to live to be 80 or, or whatever the year. That's not our mission. But God has given us a mission, and that is to proclaim his name to the nations, to share and make disciples. So if that's the mission, then everything that comes into our life that God allows is a platform for that mission. My prayer for you, the church, that has been greatly impacted by cancer is that we would see cancer as an opportunity to proclaim Jesus Christ as a platform, if you will, to declare the faithfulness of our God in that season. That is something that God has given to us that we have to entrust to God and steward and take care of it well. You see, stewarding isn't just the good things that come to our life that belong to God and God's allowed us to have for a season. It's not just stewarding and taking care of kids and houses and cars, but it's also diseases and sicknesses. To say, how can I steward these things? We have a God who says, do not be dismayed. I've got power at work. You know, why is that helpful? So, uh, I, last, last night I had the opportunity to encourage my daughter in marriage. Uh, not in a way that you might think, but uh, she has inherited this gene uh, from her grandma where she liked to rearrange a room. And so they were trying to rearrange a room and uh, take off a headboard. Uh, that it was bolted into the bed frame. And after a while, the, the uh, emissary, the, the ambassador, the messenger came up to my room, Canaan, and said, uh, <laughs> we need a wrench. It's like, what do you need a wrench for? And uh, so I told him how to get a wrench. And probably about 10 minutes later, he comes up, we need your help. <laughs> so what? Well, come up to the room and find that they had been working on uh, taking this bolt off, of which there are four bolts, uh, and they had been working on it for about 30 minutes, um, and they've gotten one off, and they were having troubles. And so I just, I'm like, well, here's what you do. You remember lefty Lucy, righty tighty, you know that little saying? And, and it's like, okay, there's a bolt on the other side, you have to hold the other side, and, and, uh, and turn it at the same time, and it's probably within about three minutes I got the first one off, and they were amazed, <laughs> astounded. You got it off the heck fast? Like, yeah. You know, so like, you know, three or four or five minutes later, all four were off. And, and one, one made the comment, that's why you get married. <laughs> that's why. That's, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess, I, I guess that could be a help. You know, to say that there's someone that helps you that can help you. That knows how to help you. So when he says, fear not for I am with you, be not dismayed for I am your God. I'm the one who made the world with a word. I can help you. The power of God is there. But then you keep on reading because it's one thing to know that God is present and another thing to know that he's powerful. But the thing that is most important, is he willing is he willing? 
sometimes we ask ourselves, God, I, I don't want to question your power, and uh, you said you're with me, but God, you must be punishing me. You, I must have done something that you have hated for me to be going through what I am going through. Have you heard that before? I hear it. I think, oh, you have no knowledge of God's nature towards you. When God has wanted to reveal his thoughts towards you, he didn't choose cancer to reveal it. He has chosen his son, Jesus Christ. He is the word. He is the revelation of God. He is the one that communicates to us who God is and what he thinks about us. And what did Jesus do? He has come that he might die for our sins. When we wonder, what does God think of us? We do not think of the cardboard testimony it says about the cancer in our life. We think about Jesus Christ on a cross dying for us. That is his word to us. And from that word, we can take from it, as Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his own son, how will he not freely give us all things? This understanding that in life, God is for us. He is for us. Now, that doesn't mean that life becomes easy. In fact, maybe that's the worst thing that could happen because we live life divorced from God. But he is for us to say, when things happen, when difficult things are there, he is for us for your spirit to be renewed and made right with him. He's got a vision for you that's greater than cancerless. He's got a vision for you that's filled with life and holiness and Christ-likeness and will continue way beyond your heart stopping. And so he says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It lets us know that he is for us. We don't just see God's power. We see his promise. So when cancer comes, or whatever it is, God's still at work. And he's working in us. When election comes and it's not quite what we want it to be, God's still there. His presence is there. His power has not been restricted by an election. And he's still very much willing and wanting to work in our life. But I would just bring out this one point, that this is all conditioned on being in relationship with God. You notice what it says here as we read up in verse 8 and 9. Israel, who was his servant. Jacob, who was chosen, the offspring of Abraham. My friend. Now we're not of the genetics of, of Abraham. We're not ethnically Jews. But Galatians tells us that God is bringing all kinds of people and grafted into Abraham when we come to God by faith, when we recognize that we have sin in our life, we need forgiveness, and we recognize that Jesus Christ is the Savior, is the King, is the one who's resurrected, that when we trust in that and who He is, that God sees us in Jesus, the Son of Abraham. He sees us in Jesus, right, holy, and in Jesus, we become his friend. We are chosen. We are his servant in Jesus Christ. And so God no longer is just some deity off to the side with power. He now has come and befriended us and says, I am your friend. You are my son. I don't see him primarily as a judge. I see him primarily as a father. That's the difference of Jesus now. 
to all these promises of God being with us, who will help us, sustain us with his righteous right hand, the hand of power, is to those who know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. I don't know what will come in your future, but bad things will happen, as it always does, as, you know, death taxes was promised. So, uh, I don't know what the election will be. It's just a matter of what kind of death and what kind of taxes uh, sometimes depend on the election. Uh, but I do know that in whatever way we go through, for those who are in Christ, you have a powerful ally. How firm a foundation you saints of the Lord, is laid from your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said? To you who for refuge to Jesus have fled, fear not, for I am with you. Oh, be not dismayed, for I am your God and will give you aid. I will strengthen you, help you, and cause you to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. Oh, how firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord.